just like anything else, uh, writing takes a lot, a lot of practice before it's going to sound good. And if you have the gumption to do that, then you can be a successful writer, like for your own brand. And you don't have to be a writer first and foremost. Like a lot of people think like, oh, I'm not a writer because that's not my only job. But like you can be a good writer and a salesperson and a dog walker. And there's also no shame in hiring help. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is Kelsey Hoff. Kelsey Hoff is a copywriter and blogging enabler with an MFA in poetry who specializes in web copy, white papers, and blogs for socially engaged organizations. She creates persuasive, emotionally intelligent content that listens first for greater engagement and authenticity. Kelsey Hoff, one of my absolute favorite copywriters, welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, you're here. I'm fabulous. Listen, I want to get right into it. What do you think small business owners need to know today? So I help both people who need me to write for them and people who want to do their own writing. So kind of depending on both of those things, um, there are some things I can talk about today. I know um, it's always hard to write about your own stuff and yourself. People either love to talk about themselves or they hate it, kind of kind of 50-50 split, but that's not what copywriting is. What I think is really important is the difference between kind of grabbing all your information, putting it in one place and taking inventory of what you want to come across to your audience and then um, getting into a completely different brain space to put that into context for your audience because they don't know what you know and talking to them directly, you know, without setting it up is going to be overwhelming and not not good. I love that idea that that you said. I think it's so incredibly important that your client, your prospects, they don't know what you know. And I think for seeming obvious, that's actually really hard to remember, especially if we're in a very specialized field, right? So a lot of my clients are energy healers and they know all of these metaphysical terms. And so when they come to me with their sales pages or this or that, it's gorgeous if you're writing it at a college plus level for people that know metaphysics, right? But if you don't know what these terms are, the whole page is lost on you. So how can we help people remember that they have to take a step back and write as though the people on the other end of the transaction do not know what they're talking about. I love that question. So I just read something recently about writing explainer videos and their rule of thumb is write it like you're explaining it to 
your grandma and they call it the grandma test. I love that. Um, so that might work for, um, for video writing, but, um, it's not going to work for all of your, all of your different situations that you're writing for. So what I like to preach is a, so the, the method that I created for, uh, solopreneurs to be able to write about their own business, I call journal to blog. I have them journal about their business. And this is where they get to, they're, they're getting into their own brain. They're um, collecting their expertise and however, however it feels most natural to them to do that. And then the blog part is, you know, it could be weeks later or days later. Uh, I think it's really important to do it on separate occasions. For me, I can't, I can't absorb my client's information and go directly into writing a blog for them. Mm-hmm. I do it on two separate occasions. So I have them journal. And yeah, then, it's got to digest in your brain. Mm-hmm. Whatever the right yeah. verb is there. I'm just like, I don't know. Your brain doesn't really digest things, does it? Yes, it does. It does. It's got to digest does. in your brain. It's got to percolate. It's got to ferment. Whatever the right verb is. I've heard but people it does talk take about it time. as composting. Ooh. Yeah, it's a very eco-friendly, yeah. eco-friendly term for what we do. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> you know, and while we're talking about the terminology that we're we're using here, you keep hearkening to this idea of collections and inventory. And I really love that. And I think that's so unique to your voice. What does it mean to have an inventory of ideas or an inventory of copy what does that mean so this is something that is important for content strategy because it's not always going to be the right time to talk about what you want to talk about and inventorying those things means that you can be a little more strategic and say when do my what's the best situation to share this with my audience so you can wait till the time is right but you don't lose the idea right exactly and Content marketing is always about being resourceful and using what you have in the best way that you can. I freaking love that because I personally feel like I've written the same post, the same emails 900 times in bits and pieces because I don't have a centralized inventory of what I want to talk about. I don't have that knowledge base. And so... As such, I'll be like, well, wait, didn't I want to write about that? Oh, yeah. And then I'll half write an email and then I'll say, "Mm, no, the time's not right. So then I say that in drafts and then I wind up with a half written Facebook post and a half written email and then I make a YouTube video and I forget about that. So I what how do we how do we curate? How do we maintain? How do we brainstorm? What are what are your thoughts on Yes, I understand that for my efficiency and my sanity, I should be gathering these things. What tips do you have for listeners on on doing that right? Well, we have so many great productivity tools and apps and organizers and, you know, plain old Google Docs and whatever. Um, And it's just a matter of moving that uh, brainstorming or whenever you have those ideas, it's a matter of just putting those into one place instead of jumping the gun and starting the project. Uh, So there's a really great content organization tool I found from um, Andy Crestadina. He's a like very very well-known content marketing genius. 
And it's also my sister-in-law's boss. Good to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he has things organized into a um, spreadsheet with you put your topics down the left-hand column. And then as you come up with your supporting ideas and find different um, articles and media and examples, you fill those in in um, the columns next to it. And when you have a full row of supporting topics for that idea, then you go ahead and write the blog post. That's brilliant because we don't just need to rely, right? So, so many people feel like, oh my God, everything that I put out there has to be 150% me. It all has to fall out of my own brain and it has to, you know, scream me. And if it looks like anybody else's stuff in the history of ever, then I'm screwed. But I love the way that you just explained like that kind of holistic approach from Andy Crestadina in saying, no, you can bring evidence. You can bring support. You should be involving what's out in the zeitgeist. You do not need to create every single inch of newness. You can bring ideas together. You can fuse them. You can translate them. And you can curate them, right? In your copy, you can also be a curator. I love that. I freaking love that. (laughs) Shout out to the team at Orbitz, including my sister-in-law. Absolutely. Why do we think that we're so hard on ourselves about our own voices, you know, similar to sales where people are saying to me all the time, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. When I used to do some writing in a more involved way with clients back in the past, the thing that I used to hear all the time is, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. I can't do this. I'm not a writer. And since you work with people fostering their own writing, but also writing with them as them and for them, what do you say to all those people out there who are so down on themselves, these these tired, fabulous business owners who are just mired in the mud, terrified that they're not a writer? So first of all, we were, most of us were not taught to write in a very effective way. We were taught to write uh, prescriptive essays that were easy to grade. Yep. So... We were taught a formula that works for one purpose and writing needs to be responsive for the situation that it's in. So um, I would love to go back and write one of my sales pages as like a thesis fourth grade essay. The five paragraph essay. (laughs) Yes, the five paragraph essay. Exactly. So it's like start with a provocative question. Mm-hmm. That part I still do. My sales page does start with a question. But from there, it's like every third sentence, make sure you put a reminder of your thesis. Like, why? Right. Yeah. And a lot of us, um, I call it writing baggage. We have writing baggage from learning to write the wrong way. And like, you can, it's totally the same thing as like, you know, relationship baggage or any other kind of um, thing you tell yourself. Baggage. That's brilliant. <laughs> So we do. We We totally, totally do. Like I had a teacher and I loved it at the time because it was really effective as a kid, but you were not allowed to use the verb is Mm. in any of its tenses. Right. And so it was kind of like the Dead Poet Society thing where it's like, you're not sad, you're morose. But instead it couldn't be like Jane Eyre is a governess. You would Mm -hmm. have to be like, 
Jane Eyre sought employment and gained it as a governess. And so we were actually intentionally making things more ornate, which when you're building your writing skill and vocabulary as a 10-year-old is really freaking great. But when you're trying to condense that into an Instagram post and you're still in the Jane sought employment as a governess place, mm-hmm. we're intentionally being more cloudy. So I love that idea of writing baggage. I think we all have so much writing baggage. So so it's not you, everybody. It's not that no. you're not a writer. It's that you have writing baggage. What other types of writing baggage do you see, Kelsey? Well, a lot of it is still thinking I have to do it this way. And a lot of it is I got bad grades in English class, so I don't think I'm a good writer. Um, Some of it is, you know, English is my second language and I have a barrier because of that. And those are all things that you can like overcome as an adult through practice, just like anything else. uh, Writing takes a lot, a lot of practice before it's going to sound good. And if you have, gumption to do that, then you can be a successful writer, like for your own brand. And you don't have to be a writer first and foremost. Like a lot of people think like, oh, I'm not a writer because that's not my only job. But like you can be a good writer and a salesperson and a dog walker. And and there's also no shame in hiring help. Absolutely not. Right. And I'm not even just talking about having someone you know, do all your writing for you, which is a great option. If that's the right option for you, take it. But there's also, you know, oh my God, I almost said 50 shades of gray. And now I have on my podcast said 50 shades of gray, which is not even good romance. Okay. So (laughs) what, what I'm saying is there are a whole lot of layers between 100% write for me and I will never let anyone touch my writing. There is so, there are so many possible chances. And and I love that in journal to blog, you work with your clients to get them to at least be producing, gestating, you know, these ideas in their voice so that also if they do want to hire someone, hopefully you, that they know what they have to work with, right? They have those raw materials. Why do you think people are so hesitant to hire writing help? Is it control? Is it embarrassment? Is it both? I think people are very protective of their brand voice and they very much want it to sound like them, especially if they're a solopreneur or the face of their brand. They very much want someone who can, you know, get it right. And, um, you know, that's why we have the approval process. That's why we have edits. Um, But There's also a difference between your speaking voice and your brand voice. Your speaking voice is casually. We don't actually speak in full sentences all the time. It's a very different uh, muscle than when you sit down and think about your thoughts and put them on paper. There's kind of a divide that people have sometimes when they put things on paper. There's like almost a filter in front of them. Wanting control is a very different thing than, you know, actually knowing the mechanics of how to get what you want on the page or on the screen, however it's going to end up. I think you're totally spot on though about it being Mm self-protective, right? Because I was like, is it fear? Is it embarrassment? Is it control? And and your response immediately was no, it's self-protection. And I think that makes 
absolute sense, especially for the people you're talking about, for solopreneurs and people like you and like me who are the faces and voices of our brands. How does someone else write as me? I don't know. We'll figure it out. But that's what you said. You said, you know what? Approvals and edits and and working together from the jump. You're not creating this stuff with no input from them. Absolutely not. I have an intake process that we talk about your brand voice and we start to put it into um, qualitative words. So we come up with, um, I have a big list of adjectives that we choose from that are what we just, you know, how we would describe your brand voice. And, you know, we also have, you know, goals that we want to reach with the writing of men and forms, how it sounds. Branding has gone through some changes this year. Like we know that sticking to the same values and the same tone, no matter what is going on in the world, isn't, isn't okay anymore. Uh, no. For the sake, it, and like the nature of how we think about that authenticity that everybody wants mm. has changed a little bit. So we come up with those guidelines and we come up with, you know, what's okay to talk about and what's not okay to talk about. But things happen and I, I am a partner. I am I'm there for you and I want to make sure that this is hitting your audience the right way. I love that. I love that idea of what is appropriate, right? Because one of the first things that I was asked over and over and over and over and over when COVID started, I mean, and as far back as like when the, uh, ooh, by the time this episode airs, we'll have a new president. When the 45th president was inaugurated, you know, people were like, how the hell do I sell during this? How do I market during this? Do I act like everything in my life is okay? Do I act like COVID doesn't scare me? Do I act like my clients still have all the money they had before? Can my copy, will my copy be a downer if I address what's going on? And I, and I'm seeing so much more that it's giving us a new better platform to show up as a whole authentic business owner by not ignoring what's going on in the world. And now you see when, you know, when people are are putting stuff out there like they used to, it almost comes off as tone deaf. It totally does. Right. And so, you know, people are like, well, hold on. Are you part of the real world? Like, look around and see what's happening. Or especially like this is so off off topic, but I keep seeing like Facebook ads with groups of people in the image. And I'm like, ew, COVID. Like, mm-hmm. I just can't help it. I'm like, stop touching. Who are these yeah. people? Why are you? T- but, you know, it's it's because we get very set in our ways and we love the things that work and we stick to them. So today you and I have come together to talk about a very particular soul and a very particular launch and what being very protective did to this launch. And I am talking, mm-hmm. of course, about America's favorite, well, and Canada's. I was just going to say Canada's very too. couple. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that would be Patrick and David Rose. I'm so excited to talk about this. Go. Tell me. Tell me everything. So I racked my brain for, I love pop culture, and I racked my brain for what I wanted to talk about. And... This is a brick and mortar store in a small town in Canada, and they're not someone who would typically hire a copywriter. <laughs> but that said, I think there's a lot, a lot we can learn from this episode and from you know their evolution in how their business grows. So 
I'm glad that we, this was a great transition. I'm glad that we just finished talking about brand voice and being overprotective and particular about it because that is exactly what David does. And he is so protective. He wants his brand to be top shelf. He actually mentions in the episode, he says, well, it worked for Gwyneth. She did a soft right. launch for Goop. And, you know, look at her. It worked for her. And the so- whole idea of a soft launch anyway always kind of makes me laugh because we want it to have the pomp of the full launch, but we don't want to work as hard. Yeah. And he, they actually, David and Patrick have this conversation about why, like, why not have a grand opening? And uh, Patrick says, are you afraid that nobody will show up? And like, we kind of get the idea that that's what, yes. what's going yes. on. Yes, absolutely. I think we all have that terror, right? We we put something out there. We spend all this time on, we spend all this time on writing this manifesto. We put it out there and it gets, you know, one like and our mom shares mm-hmm. it. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, mom. Or like, you know, we host an event in the post-COVID world and much like David, we're really concerned that if we put ourselves out there whole ass, <laughs> nobody will come. Yeah. Um, right? But also David's David Rose's uh, uh, instincts are not always the best. He has high domain expertise. He knows his stuff and his product really well. But let's not forget in the episode where he has to throw a last minute babysitter for Jocelyn, the menu he picks is wine, soft cheeses, and fish. Three things right. that pregnant women cannot have. So he also doesn't understand why the open mic night would be good for the store or any of these things. But what I wanted to scream at my TV when when David has those things is like, who, who, who are you doing this for? Because he's in a small town in Canada. You, you don't have like the New York City elite that you're used to. Who is on this guest list? Who's on your VIP list? That is going to show up to this. Are do you have, you know, in Instagram influencers lined up to come to this thing? Like, no, no, you have Jocelyn and Twyla. Right. You have the people you see every single day, and you Absolutely. have the people that knew that their whole lives as the Shit's Creek General Store. Yes. So not only do you have that audience, you have that audience's expectations of what this store is gonna be yeah and what they like and all of them when whenever we see all of like the word percolating and moving throughout the town and people hearing about it and each one of them they have this response like do I get the discount do I get to bring my friends do I get to you know and they want to be my friends and my family yep they just want to be included they just want it's about them and I think if David and Patrick would have realized that it obviously would have gone a little differently, but who knows? We all have friends that do that in real life too, where it's like, hey, yeah, sure. Feel free to invite a couple of people. And they invite like 28 people. And you're right. like, why are these people in my house? Who are these people? I said, you could invite a few friends, right? Or, or, you know, from a promotional standpoint, especially when we've been getting used to like having one chair here, one chair there. We put an offer out that's like a little bit too good. And suddenly, like every single one we've ever met, every person on our mailing list is like taking us up on our bargain basement discount or something. And it's like, ah, ah, 
Thanks guys. Where were you? Where were you when I was, uh, (laughs) I needed those sales before. (laughs) Right. But I think, you know, that idea of putting yourself out there and, and needing everything to be just so, but also, yeah. Like how do you remedy needing everything to be just so and serving your audience? Like, how does that come together? Where's the, the kind of center crossroad of that weird Venn diagram that sometimes looks a lot more like two completely separate circles. It actually is a Venn diagram in my intake that I talk through with my clients. So we have what on one side, what you know and what you're good at. And we have on the other side, what your client needs, what they need to hear, what they need from you or when it comes to your, your thing that you're doing. So we identify where those things cross over. And those are the things we try and return to over and over again in the content strategy. And ultimately, when you're creating your brand, you should have that audience in mind. I think it's a very interesting choice to put that store where it is in Canada, you know, like, but obviously they pull it off um, for various reasons. So I think a lot of it has to do with people just loving David and Patrick and who they are. And I was going to say, I'm pretty sure the reason that store has any success at all, there's one reason and his name is Patrick. (laughs) Yeah, building the processes, doing the heavy lifting, right? Doing all these things. But while you were talking, I realized that that's the role that you fill. You are their Patrick. Right? No, you are. You merge what they want in their very particular way with what the client needs to hear from them. You're the Patrick. You're the one being like, no, you cannot give soft cheeses to a pregnant woman. (laughs) That's you. That's you saying like, no, your clients are not going to know what you're talking about. No. Mm -hmm. Okay. We got to ground this this way. And it's not all no. I don't want to make it sound like all you do is say no to clients all day. But Patrick understands that David is the voice and face of the store. Understands that David is David. Yes. Now international sensation David Rose for a reason because he's a very, very clearly branded character, right? For sure. But David needs a Patrick. David needs a translator. David needs a person who's going to go to the UN for him. You know what I mean? Whatever that he needs ambassadors. He needs ambassadors to reality. And that's what you do with your clients. You're their ambassador to clients. Yep. I agree. Um, I'm very honored by that. Um, the moment that Patrick is like, yeah, well, while you were running around doing all of this, I uh, looked up a YouTube video on how to get our lights wired or whatever. And uh, I was just like, oh, my God, I'm like fanning myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> it was so brilliant. Uh, just he's he's just a gem, but he understands. The middle of the Venn diagram, he understands yes. the Oreo filling. And and my my advice out there based on this conversation to anyone who is worried about how your stuff is going to land or worried about bringing on the crickets, hire yourself a Kelsey, hire a Patrick, right? If you're really concerned about how your stuff is going to land, don't let the first time you put it out there be fresh out of your head. Make sure you have some help because we all need help. We all have blinders on, especially with our brand and especially when it's our baby And we're the face of it, like we've been talking about all day, right? It's really easy for us to get stuck in our stuff and our own writing baggage and everything else. But we need a Patrick. We need someone to say, no, it's going to be okay. Because then what happens is when we have that properly placed, people do get really excited about our soft launch friends and family promotion. And they do want to invite all their friends. 
because the tone is right and the invitation was right. Yeah. Right? I think so. I do think that, you know, Schitt's Creek has its own special little magic to it. And like, I I would, I would just feel so loved and so lucky if, you know, all my friends wanted to show up and support my stuff all the time. But, you know, that's not the world we live in all the time as small business owners. Like not all my friends need copywriting services. So that's why the strategy becomes important because you are marketing to people who don't already love you, which is sad, but you know, the real world. But great copy is the quickest way for them to fall in love with you. I would argue. Yes, sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a great, it's a, it's a great place to start. It's an excellent place to start bridging it all. So here's my question for you. You said that Rose Apothecary is very unlikely to hire a copywriter. But let's say David's out, you know, getting a latte. Patrick decides that he's going to make a very quick snap decision as a surprise for David. And he calls you up and he hires you on the spot. And he Dream says, job. listen. Oh, spoilers. I'm going to have to put a spoiler episode on this. My husband and I run this store. Spoilers, y'all. Catch up. My husband and I run this store. It's in a very boutique she-she store that's in a very little downtown in this small, weird town in Canada. And we really want to reach an international uh, audience with our copy. What's the first thing that you would do to overhaul the copywriting of Rose Apothecary? So in the context of this episode, I would love to debrief with them how that launch went um, and take down as many notes as we can, just because there were some amazing things that people were saying uh, as we kind of pan past Johnny and Moira Rose. She says, He's managed to create in this town something actually winsome. And like that, put that on your website. Like put that on your website. So what I I would want to do is say, well, what I I ask my clients all the time is what are you hearing? What are you hearing from your audience? What are you hearing from people in your sales conversations? Because people are like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to resonate. That's a, big thing that people come to me for because they don't they put their blog out into the ether and they're like I don't know if people like this I don't know I'm getting you know clicks but I don't know where they're coming from so the first thing I ask is what are you hearing um so and you know then we would get into the things that all of the people in Schitt's Creek are saying when they get invited to this thing and when they see the store and at those different points in of familiarity with Rose Apothecary. So I guess for the actual, like what we would end up doing, um, you know, I just, I would have a lot of questions first. Mm-hmm. But then um, I don't know. I just think that what we recognize is that what people love about the store is the personalities of David and Patrick. And what they love is that they're getting something different that they don't see every day in their town. So. Um, playing on the the novelty and luxury of that, as well as, you know, the friendly faces that are in there um, when they come visit um, and just making people feel included there. 
that's what they have shown that they want without saying. What part of his content strategy do you think David Rose would be most protective and picky about? That's a good question. Part of me wants to say social media because that's a very, very visible space. I do think it would be, you know, down the line when Alexis gets into PR, I feel like it would be her job to find find him some influencers who will drive out to Schitt's Creek, possibly stay at the Rosebud Motel. And I mean, it's across the street. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And take some, you know, take some pictures in the store with the stuff and like review it and whatnot. No, I think you're totally right. I think I think he would have to hire the influencers specifically. He couldn't go through a service. He wouldn't have a social media manager do it. He wouldn't even have Patrick do it. He wouldn't even have Alexis do it because we also know Alexis is kind of useless on the show intels they go on. But I think he would let Alexis call him a list. And then from there, he would do some very detailed interviewing. I agree that he would be very, very particular. And also, we're not going to use, like, bold, flashy colors. Like, it's all going to be very sleek, very black and white, very David. Absolutely. I love it. Kelsey, it has been an absolute freaking blast having you here. Listen, if someone needs you to be their Patrick, Mm -hmm. how do they find you? So they can send me an email at KelseyHoffWrites at gmail.com or they can check out my website which is kelseyhoffwrites.com and there's a contact form on there um there's a portfolio of some sample things that i've worked on and a little bit more about my different services i'm also on linkedin so basically you're everywhere so there's no excuse listeners there's no excuse not to get yourself a majestically fabulous skilled proven Patrick. You got it right here. You just heard her. You just loved her. Kelsey Hoff, everybody. Everybody, I will be back in just one minute with your homework for the week and my final thoughts. Well, hey there, listeners. Have you ever sat down to write something only to feel like you've already written it or at least part of it before? So you pull out your dusty external hard drives and search your blog and your email, but no trace of it can be found. But only by this time, your anxiety has convinced you that what you wrote last time was probably way better and you should just quit while you're ahead. I don't know if you can relate, but this is how I've squandered countless hours writing and rewriting the same damn shit. Brilliant shit, mind you, but not a good use of my time or brain power. Why? Why did I do this? Because I didn't have an inventory. No centralized system where I can keep half-baked thoughts and my greatest hits in one easy-to-navigate place. By now, I'm sure you've guessed, that's your homework this week. Special note. For the love of all that is holy, do not use a notebook for this. Use a digital searchable platform for this, like Google Drive or Evernote or a blog you only are uh, password protected and have access, access to. Personally, I consider myself the high priestess of the Church of Trello, which is a free project management system. And I have created a free idea inventory template over there that you are all welcome to use and share. You'll find it in the show notes. 
throw everything into that puppy. Snippets of interviews you did when you said something witty or smart, questions you ask your clients that wow them or elicit great responses, underdeveloped ideas for future projects, follow-up ideas for stuff that you did before that was majorly well-received, whatever. Make sure it's all there and make sure to visit it before the next time you sit down to write something. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at www.annieprugglescom slash easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hyperbole. Our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigneault, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. All pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me.